you know, this challenge of connecting to all of your different applications and software and pulling that data in to get real time insight into what's happening in the business so you can make faster, smarter, better decisions. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Rob Nelson, who is the CEO of Grow, which is an awesome tool that gives you business intelligence. And I'm not going to let him elaborate on what that means in a second. Rob, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, thanks for being here. So yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit, I guess, what's your story first and foremost? Yeah, so um, first off, I mean, grow, Grow.com, we do simple business intelligence software built for what we call SMBs or small to medium-sized businesses. That that typically is between, you know, companies between one and 50 million in revenue. Uh, the story behind Grow is that I had a company prior to this a software company, we were bootstrapping, you know, a small team of 35 people and uh, was probably in a, in a position that I think a lot of entrepreneurs find ourselves in where I just kind of stumbled in this business and really didn't feel like it was the first company, didn't feel like I, I knew what I was doing and just kind of kept my head down and was, you know, working as hard as I could and brought in a management consultant. And the first thing that she did was help us identify our KPIs or our metrics that really drove the business and moved the needles. So we started identifying that and through that process, like really transformed the business to becoming really data driven. And that's when like this magical thing happened inside the company, right? We saw all this growth happened you know, accountability in the company just increased naturally. I didn't have to be the bad guy. Uh, we just, you know, execution became really, we executed really well and we just had more fun as a company. And so I, I feel like stepping back that like as the CEO, that was the greatest transformation I did in the company and, and had the greatest impact. So anyway, in that process, I just got really frustrated because we were doing everything in spreadsheets. Like most of the world. And, um, I, I called several different software providers and said, Hey, help solve our problem. We got some basic stuff and found that it was either really templated that wasn't unique to our business. I couldn't customize it or it was very enterprise software, super expensive, four to six months to implement required a lot of it resources and analysts that we didn't have to manage it. And, um, so I never solved that problem. And anyway, a bigger company came in and, and made a few offers to us and, and uh, ended up selling and exiting that business and then went to work on this. I really wanted to solve a problem that I personally dealt with and, and faced growing a business, which is um, you know, this challenge of connecting to all of your different applications and software and pulling that data in to get real-time insight into what's happening in the business so you can make faster, smarter, better decisions. 
So you, you said when you were basically the, the best thing you did for that company was to get everyone aligned, right? So can you walk us through what you did at the company exactly? Was it you're setting up a bunch of TVs all over the place? And you know, what did you do exactly? How did you get people aligned to specific metrics? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to get to the TV concept. And first off, I mean, I, I think looking back, it's funny when you're no longer in the business, you have kind of a different perspective and you look back and you're like, hey, there's really only a handful of things that I did that were like big, significant, like rock moving events that changed the trajectory of the company. And this was, this was it. So, you know, we went through a process and had like leadership team involved and everybody had like, okay, what are the KPIs that really move and determine the success of that department? And everybody came up with maybe 10 or 12 different metrics that they owned in each department. And that became this gnarly spreadsheet that we just became transparent. So we showed it in team meetings and we just shared those numbers and everybody kind of knew what we were driving towards, but it just lacked. I I wanted to get to this real-time scoreboard concept. I wanted to get to the, the TVs around the office wanted to, you know, have it transparent so that when somebody made it, you know, and did something at their desk, they could look over and it would update and just never found that solution on the market. So that's, that's what, um, that was, you know, our experience and really what led to grow. Got it. Okay. So how do you guys make money first and foremost, and how do you generally charge? Like what's the standard pricing look like? So, um, yeah, we're SaaS, SaaS uh, subscription-based model. You know, our, our pricing is about five or six hundred dollars a month to start, and so usually it's you know when when you're you've got like ten employees, you kind of know what's going on as a CEO or as the entrepreneur. Once you hit about twenty, you're you're you've got a team in place, a manage, managers, and you're going around asking for updates, asking for reports, asking for more data. And that's where the pain really becomes um, real for these these companies, and that's where we kind of step in, and uh, it, you know where most companies kind of find us is in that you know twenty you know twenty employees or maybe ten employees if it's e-commerce and you're doing several million in revenue. Great. Okay, so you guys charge five to six hundred bucks a month, and I remember in the beginning when you first launched, maybe it was cheaper. We're talking like maybe forty nine bucks a dashboard or so, or maybe something around that range. So I guess what led to the the increase? Oh man, you you know I I remember you you caught us early on, like right when we launched, Eric, and um, you know we we went out with this concept that you know it it should be totally self serve, forty nine bucks, and and we kind of experimented with that and. As we launched, first off, I mean, I, I built for about a year with five engineers and we were just kind of heads down on the product, working on the problem. And then we launched and, you know, at 49 bucks a month and got like repeatedly punched in the face by customers saying like, hey, it's just like not enough. Like I need to do this. I need to do that. And um, we realized customers need more support and it's to solve the problem of connecting your data when everybody uses different stuff and then everybody wants to see that stuff formatted and look differently is a lot harder of a problem to solve than we thought. And it requires more support, more onboarding. So in order to kind of justify that, to help our clients be successful, we had to increase the price. So that's right. We're, we're, we started about five or 600 bucks a month now. Got it. And then uh, it goes up and we have this unlimited user model that kind of plays into the brand and our mission of what we're trying to accomplish is helping 
these companies become data driven and democratize that data within the company. And so the thought of like a single user license running grow in his back cubicle, just like, I hate, hate that idea. And we want, you know, we're like, Hey, we don't care if you're finance, sales, marketing ops, whatever, connect to the apps that you use, pull the data back, build the insights and share them with the team. So we've got this unlimited user model. And so pricing scales up based on the number of reports that they're tracking. Got it. And how long did it take you to realize that you needed to change the the, the pricing? I guess how long did, from the time you, you saw the problems, I guess, when you first launched and then when you actually changed the pricing, how long was that? It was about a year. <laughs> Got it. So, yeah, it was like this gnarly uh, product market fit phase that is brutal. And, uh, you know, it's just a brutal phase. So, like, the you know, you go through this period of like, hey, I'm building and um, – you know, I, I was self-funding this in this building phase of me and five engineers. And then, you know, towards the end where we were getting ready to launch, it was like, holy cow, this is going to take way more money than way more capital than I, I, I've got the stomach for and what I'm able to do. So that's at, at about that point is when we went out and raised um, uh, some venture capital f- funding for it and then had a year of kind of product market fit phase wandering in the wilderness and running into walls and trying to figure our way out, you know, and so you, you raised pre-revenue, right? We raised pre-revenue. Yeah. Yeah. We raised pre-revenue, uh, pre really pre-product before we launched and we raised a million and a half at that time. I love it. You know, the, the interesting thing, I think when it comes to, I think pricing is such an important topic that it's not a particularly sexy one. This is a marketing podcast. I just think it's so important because you just mentioned the number 49 and you know, for me, with our with our SaaS product, it's just like, okay, there's all these products out there with 49, 99 bucks a month. Should we just cater to that market? So we started doing some customer development and found that people were willing to pay at least 300 a month. And that's kind of the minimum, right? And then we have contracts out for, you know, a couple grand uh, or so. So it's just like, when you actually think about it, and you think about the people that you're serving, it actually makes sense to charge more, right? And I, I guess my question is, when you came up with the $49 a month pricing, where did you pull that number from? Oh man, I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I think it was just like, Hey, you know, we're just throwing it out there and seeing what sticks. Right. And, uh, you, you know, and then after running it for several months, you know, reality hits of like, it's really, really hard to build a business at 49 bucks a month yes. or 90 bucks a month. I mean, Dropbox has done it and a few other companies, but, uh, very few have. And it's like, hey, we want to do something significant. We believe the market's there. We believe these ingredients are there in the company to build something really big and special. But it's it's tough to do that at, at uh, forty nine bucks a month, you know. And and I think what we did right in this time of product market fit was always obsessing over the problem and how do we solve this problem versus like obsessing over our solution. And that led us to. Hey, we just need some more client success people to help guide customers through the problem. We need like, you know, more support around it so that, you know, we can support these customers to a very successful outcome to accomplish what they want with BI. And uh, that's why, you know, we've had to kind of increase the price in order to support it. So what I'm hearing is you guys, it was more of like a self-service thing at 49 bucks. And then now, you know, at the, at least the the minimum five to $600 a month price point, it's more, more kind of, um, white glove, uh, almost like a done for you or work with you kind of service. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, we've we've got uh, we've been really successful with customers and have had a lot of good feedback with customers going through like um, kind of a high touch onboarding process where it's like, hey, this isn't really a, a you know a, a tool to just kind of play around with and spin up one or two reports. It's like usually our buyers want BI to be a core application in their business. They want to see the real benefits of it. They want to become data driven. And it's like, I, I want to be able to implement it and have a successful outcome. And so we've gone through, you know, about 2000 onboarding sessions with clients now to help spin that up and, and roll it out successfully. Love it. And I think onboarding is, is such an important thing. And I, I re- really recommend everyone read, read up more on onboarding. If you're starting to build any kind of uh, subscription product or just any, maybe even the service too, because great onboarding leads to better retention. Did you see anything kind of reflected there in your numbers? Can you share anything around that? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we we had uh, we really had kind of atrocious churn numbers that uh, early on on that self service model. And how bad? She shot. You know, it was probably like I mean, it was probably over ten percent a month. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, like you just can't build a business off of it. And uh, I think part of it was like, hey, we were super early. It was just after the product launched and. We were trying to work out the kinks, and, and then we kind of built in. What's interesting is we built in. We kind of floundered for a full year in that in that phase, right? And then we did like three or four things all at the same time in January, two years ago from this month. So two years ago, we we made a bunch of changes. We built like and organized a client success team. We changed commission structure, and then added like two or three features. And it just like exploded and took off. So we were at like, I think 12 employees uh, two years ago, um, exactly. And, you know, we've got, I don't know, 110 now. Wow. Um, so it's been, you know, this fast and, and furious ride the last 24 months with growth. And it, it's been a lot of fun. That's crazy. You know, I was talking to one of my buddies, runs a SaaS company too. And he was saying, man, you know, Eric, once we change over to, you know, we increase our prices and we switch over to, we add a done for you, it was, it just became a complete game changer. And it sounds like it's the same thing for you too. I think it's, it's interesting because, or almost ironic because a lot of people that go into subscription do it to build software and they don't want to build a services based business. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're still going to have to, you know, everyone's, everything is a service, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, we're all kind of realizing that the importance of onboarding, like you mentioned is that, um, you know, SAS is kind of waking up to that, like, holy cow, this is, you know, the, the key to make subscription revenue models work is, you know, retention, right. And support enough support to, you know, help these customers be successful. And I think there's this trend. I mean, I'm seeing this trend, right. Of in SaaS of, you know, kind of truing up the price to match like an actual solution. And, uh, you know, seeing SMBs like pay for a real solution versus like, you know, a, a tool at 29 bucks a month. What's like an example of that? You know, I think we're, we're, we're one of the examples. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think of like some software. I mean, I, I consider us an SMB, right? I mean, uh, uh, I'm trying to find, you know, think of some examples of software that we purchase. Like, a re, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, a, a, I forgot the name of the software, but it's it's basically like a survey. I mean, it's kind of like SurveyMonkey that just integrates with Salesforce. It's like just works better for our use case. And that's $600 a month. Wow. To collect 
NPS, uh, you know, NPS data and some, you know, customers uh, feedback scores, but it, it does a great job in, you know, our workflows and piping it back into our CRM and, and around the automation. Is it, uh, ask nicely? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, 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 not ask nicely. Um, one of our competitors. Yeah. It's, it's something like that, but, um, you know, it pipes back and it's like, Hey, we could, you know, probably accomplish the same thing with, with survey monkey. It just would be, it just would be a really painful solution. We wouldn't get the outcome and the results that we, that we were looking for with something else. Right now. And that's not to say survey Monkey's not, you know, a great tool in, in certain circumstances. I, I'm a big fan of them. Cool. So you talked about, I mean, I'm curious, you talked about adjusting the commissions and that's certainly correlated to how you guys, you know, grew by so much in the last 24 months. So I'm curious, what were kind of the commissions for your salespeople or customer success in the beginning? And when you start, when you adjusted it, what did the commissions change to? Yeah, I think the commission amounts didn't change a whole lot. Maybe they increased a little bit, but the way that we were doing before, and I think this is like a classy or a classic like newbie, newbie mistake that I made, which was, you know, hey, you build a book of business, you know, we'll pay that out over time as the customer pays. So you get, you know, X percent of revenue when we build a customer every month. Mm. Instead of upfront. Instead of upfront. So now it's like we're, we're doing what I think is more common of taking the total, you know, annual contract value and paying that upfront. And so they get the, the full benefit. Got it. Cool. Makes sense. It requires more cash. So when we did that, we had to go raise, you know, another, another round. Got it. Okay, great. So we're working towards wrapping up here. What's one new tool besides Grow that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value to your life, like Evernote, for example? Love Evernote, big fan. You know this. This sounds uh, sounds kind of generic, but uh, Salesforce. I mean, um, so in the last year, uh, about a year ago, yeah, we we converted over to Salesforce, and everything pipes in there, and it just um, the data is. You know, I can ask any question, like segment MPS by industry, by company size, by MRR. I mean. Whatever it is, I've, we've got access to the data. It's just a, a beautiful thing. You know, did you? It's it's interesting because a lot of people. I mean, they start out not using Salesforce because it's too. You know, it has too many bells and whistles, right? So I'm guessing, like, when people are ready to transition into Salesforce, um, did you hire like a Salesforce agency or a consultant to help you pipe it all together? I've, I've done that before in the past, and I didn't do it this round because. Um, We've had several internal people that came from the sales ops world that were Salesforce programmers, and they've so we had the internal resources to do it. But that's right. I mean, like when I first started Grow, I was like, hey, let's get Salesforce going, and then we go through product market fit, and we're fighting for our lives. It's like, all right, scrap Salesforce, let's do something free and cheap that like you know everybody loves, and then uh, you get some traction and you want to scale. It's like, all right, now we got to go back to Salesforce. Makes sense. Question. This is a side question. Actually, this is a bonus one. So you talked about sales ops people. Where did you Where did you go to find sales ops? Your sales ops people, because those are pretty hard to find. Yeah, um, you know, it started with our very first client success guy, Ryan Voorhees, and he's built our team and um, and it, you know he's been key to to our success and growth. And um, he came from that world and he was our very first client success. And so in a technical product like BI, or if you have a technical product, I think they make phenomenal uh, client success 
people and leaders. I mean, they're systems or, you know, system oriented or system thinkers. And then he's built the team around that. And so he's recruited from guys that he's known or people that he's known uh, from other jobs. Got it. Love it. Okay. Well, Rob, what's one must read book you'd recommend to everyone? Oh boy. I think, um, I mean, this is hard. I, I, I recommend like different books at different stages of an entrepreneur's journey, but you know, I mean, I think the hard thing about hard things is really good as an, as an overall general book, you know, for entrepreneurs. Great. Love it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's our number one recommended book over the last, uh, four years that I've been doing this thing. Oh, really? No way. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Rob, this is great. What's the best way for, for people to find you online? Grow.com. Yeah. Grow.com and, um, hit us up there and, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the easiest way to reach us. Great. Rob, thanks so much for doing this. You bet. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.